Warning, this episode includes sensitive content. We discuss sexual assault and other subjects that may be triggering. It's the LGBT Chat Podcast, a space for LGBTQ friends and allies to share personal stories, current events, and life endeavors. Hosted by Aida Ramirez. Hello, people of the universe. Um, we used to say, hey, guys, until we realized that it wasn't just guys listening to us. <laughs> um, joining us today, guys, it's just me. It's just Aida. Sorry. Um, and we have a special guest today, Zoe uh, Stoller. She's a professional creator, educator, and writer, as well as a master's student in social work. Um, and she's here to talk like everyone else. But um, welcome. Thank you so, so much. It's so lovely to be here. And that was a lovely introduction. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, so as we were talking with the other co-hosts a few episodes ago, and um, we shared an episode um, late last year. And it was a lot of us just sharing our traumas. And we didn't realize until afterwards how fucked up we all were <laughs> and how much um, our trauma and like the things that we went through um, at such a young age are still affecting us and how we're um, how it's coming out um, in our daily lives as, as adults. Right. Um, and then I realized that I just kind of left you guys with like all this frustration and like, like, okay, but now what, you know, like, so this is what what's happening. Um, but what do we do? And so I reached out to um, a lot of like mental health professionals to see um, if anyone, any of you would like to come out and like um, just share some insight and some helpful tips on like what we can do and how to move forward and move on and, and learn how to cope. <laughs> and that's why yeah, we're here. <laughs> well, first I will say no one is fucked up. Um, you know, traumas happen and they definitely can be very rooted in, you know, who we are, how we view ourselves, how we behave, but it's not, you know, the fault or anything of the individual person. And especially when people hold, you know, marginalized identities, such as being part of the LGBTQ community um, and, you know, other identities where you kind of get a lot of oppression and just constant negative feedback from the world around you, you know, it's no wonder that you would be so affected by it. So just wanted to say, it's not anything wrong with you. It's stuff that's wrong with the world. And it unfortunately trickles down and affects us as individuals. Yeah. But I don't know if, if this if this is like a, a thing of me of mine that I just like to play like the devil's advocate all the time. Like, <laughs> like, so is it not fucked up if, um, if I'm choosing to not like um, get better or if I'm choosing not to, you know what I mean? Like, isn't that like a fault in its own? I don't think so. No. I would <laughs> refrain from using fucked up with anything okay. regarding your mental health, honestly. Like, every person's individual responses to, to traumas and the world around them are super valid. None of them is fucked up. I mean, you know, if you, like, actively hurt another person, yeah. even that I wouldn't say fucked up. Like, that's not good. Um, but a lot of the kind of reactions that we have to the world and the ways that we move through the world as a result of our trauma um, – are are often kind of like protective factors for us right. um, and right. they help us you know cope with 
challenging things and cope with our emotions and, you know, survive often. And so it makes a lot of sense if, you know, you or other people might be hesitant to to change, you know, the ways that you think or the ways that you act. Um, and I, I don't think no, you have to if you don't want to. I think, right. you know, right. kind of changing your behaviors only, you know, comes into play and is really important um, if those behaviors like aren't serving you, if you're feeling harmed or upset or disappointed in the ways that you're behaving or if they're, you know, actively hurting somebody else. Um, but, you know, even then it's it's your choice whether or not you want to change. Yeah. It's not necessary to not make you fucked up. So maybe I'm explaining so maybe that I wrong. Um, of course, my dog wants to talk to your dog now. Of course, yes. <laughs> um, so I guess what I'm trying to, what I was trying to say is more of not changing our behavior, but changing um, or seeking help rather for the, for the, from the way that we're feeling or for the way that we're feeling. So um, if we're constantly like depressed or if we're constantly being affected by our trauma um, in a negative way, like not that we're behaving negatively. But um, if it's affecting our daily life where we can't function and we're choosing not to get seek help, um, you know, that's what I meant by are we kind of sort of <laughs> at fault for that? Yes. Well, even even that I'll say you're definitely not at fault. Um, you know, oftentimes being kind of really low and feeling very depressed and feeling unmotivated can be a catalyst to kind of encourage you and motivate you to go get help. But on the other side of the coin, um, especially with depression, often, you know, feeling unmotivated and not wanting to actively get help or actively get better is a symptom of the depression itself. Um, so it's not, again, it's not necessarily something that is wrong with you or something that is bad because it could just be kind of yet another facet of the way that your mental health is presenting. Yeah. Whatever you throw at me, I'm always going to tell you <laughs> it's not anything wrong with the individual. No, I'm not throwing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not so throwing it. Just trying to straighten, straighten that for us, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so where are you, Zoe Stoller, in the world? Where Physically, you... I'm, I'm in Philadelphia in awesome. Pennsylvania. I love we're... Philly. Oh, yeah. I'm in, we're in Vegas and um, just moved here from New York, but um, we would go to Philly. Like, I love the historic district, like the area and like um, downtown and I'm a history buff. Well, I like to think that I'm a history buff, but I, anyway, I love that area. <laughs> It's great. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm from New York. So that's super funny. That's um, awesome. it's, yeah, it's, it's nice. I like being here. Sorry. If you, my dog is going crazy. You're fine. Um, <laughs> okay. we, um, every time we went to, uh, Atlantic city, we like try to make it a thing to stop by and mm -hmm. get to Philly. Like just to say we went to Philly. <laughs> Amazing. Well, next time you're here, let me know. And uh, Zoe, so what do you do? How do you help our community? Uh, yeah. So I'm currently, um, in graduate school to become an official social worker, which is super exciting. I just finished my first year. Um, and a lot of the knowledge that I just shared and the perspectives that I just shared really come, or, or I guess are rooted in a social work perspective, which really, um, you know, depathologizes the individual and doesn't view any action like, you know, of the individual or any traumas that the individual has faced as their own fault and kind of understands the larger, you know, systemic issues and, uh, you know, things that affect people. Um, so I do social work. I'm very interested in that. And then at the same time, I'm also a content creator on social media, um, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all the big ones. Um, and my mission is to spread LGBTQ education and mental health visibility and overall authenticity, uh, which is something I started as a passion project at the beginning of COVID and quarantine. Um, I think, I feel like a lot of people kind of 
started new passion projects or new hobbies or new things during that time because we have time. Um, but it's kind of really developed it into one of my biggest passions. And my my work online um, in like the queer education sphere was what inspired me to then go back to school and become a social worker. So I really dedicate my life to gay, mental health, LGBTQ, everything, um, which is perfect for what we're talking about today. I love it. I just realized I was muted. Um, <laughs> we were talking during, um, I think, at the beginning of the pandemic or somewhere in between. Who knows? Uh, not even the point, right? It was uh, we um, we had all these things that we wanted to do um, that we just didn't have time to do. And then, boom, pandemic, right? And then we're stuck at home. And all of a sudden, we have time. Um, and it was, like, amazing all the things we discovered about ourselves. Well, I did. Um, I had been collecting like jewelry pieces and like um, like little trinkets here and there to like make jewelry pieces and whatnot. And I thought that that was something that I was really into. Um, and turns out I wasn't. <laughs> so during the pandemic, I, I found myself doing none of it. Um, so yeah, that was my pandemic. How was yours? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's still happening. I guess I got COVID like a few weeks ago, which was challenging. You know, after all of these. I, all these years it was like two years but still it feels like all of these yeah, years of yeah, like you know not having it um but yes I survived that um it's been definitely a formative time of my life um I started the pandemic in a relationship um like living with my girlfriend and then when the pandemic started things like went south like really quickly and so like I really like shifted my life after being with her for a few years um I changed my jobs I moved apartments I started grad school definitely been a formative time um full of change which is good because you know I think a product of having to stay inside and, you know, do nothing is really, you know, being forced to sit with ourselves and confront ourselves and evaluate, you know, how our lives are going and what we feel truly passionate about or what we, you know, feel happy in or don't feel happy in. Um, so I think that it had that effect for a lot of people, which is interesting. For sure. I think that was, that's also what triggered us moving here. Mm. Uh, and on the way here, we, we drove here from New York. On the way here, we, um, we saw a lot of U-Hauls. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like I am used to driving from like New York to Florida quite often. Um, and I've never seen this amount of U-Hauls on the road. Um, it was, it was definitely interesting and funny, like people with their cars behind their U-Hauls and, and whatnot. Like at least I remember seeing like all these cars full of like people's belongings, just like mine. You couldn't see back the, <laughs> the rear view window. Um, oh it was, it was definitely fun. Um, so yes. So, um, like I was saying, we, um, we, we threw this like bomb of like an episode, um, and kind of like unleashed all these feelings and things that we were holding on for years and years and years that we didn't even know we were holding on to. Um, me, myself, like specifically, I was just like, whoa, I didn't know I was holding on to all that. Um, and it felt so good to like share it out there. And at the same time, I was just like, and it took me months to realize that I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Like I've already, like I've started seeking help for myself and, and started trying to like, um, heal. Um, but like, how do I share that with everyone else? You know? um thoughts <laughs> yeah yeah no that's it's a great question um and i think you know you have to be very i guess delicate when it comes to kind of sharing about your mental health experiences because there's a lot of 
um, you know, specific experiences that could be triggering to people or, um, you know, further traumatizing. And obviously you don't want to do that, but you also want to share your story and let people know that they're, you know, not alone. Um, so, I mean, one big, you know, simple thing to do with that is sharing, um, you know, trigger warnings or content warnings with any um, content that you make. It could be like written or if you're doing a video or a podcast, like physically saying it, um, that alone can help. And then, um, you know, kind of allows you to share more openly and freely about what you're experiencing and what your journey has been and kind of, you know, what motivated you to start seeking help and sharing your story um, because, you know, you've given that warning in there pre. Um, but um, yeah, another approach is kind of uh, opening it up to, you know, your community and your audience and um, getting people to send in, you know, questions or things like specific pieces of advice that they want to hear from you um, or specific experiences that they want you to touch on because um, that'll really help you, you know, make sure that the journey that you're sharing is something that, you know, will resonate with your community and that can be helpful for them. Um, Because I think, again, one of the really powerful things about sharing your story is letting other people know that they're not alone um, and making it okay for other people to share their story as well, which is super important. Um, So yeah, so I, I think it's great if you if you share your story, and I would love to hear, you know, more of it. And I think that you should feel, you know, inspired and encouraged and motivated to share openly, um, again, with, you know, extra warnings and labels for anyone, um, just in case. Yeah, so we did do that. We we had like a, a pre recording before the episode released, um, warning everyone. And we talked about um, we talked about like sexual assault as children. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then how how it was affecting us now as adults, um, and how yeah. it was um how it was coming out. Like for me, I was having a lot of moments of, um, I was just freezing mm. um, where like I couldn't move. Like I could move, but I didn't want to, if that makes any sense. Um, I remember a few times getting outside of this, coming outside of the subway and not being able to walk. Um, or like mm. I couldn't push up, I couldn't move my feet. Like I knew I could, but I couldn't tell my brain to do that. And I remember like being transported back to that time of, my my assault and being able to smell feel um it was such a such a weird um i like i don't know i don't know how to describe it um but it almost like took me back and it kept mm-hmm. happening um and then um what else like obviously like uh, depression and um like lack of motivation and a lot of other things are going on. I'm like, why am I living like this? Like it just, it took one day. Like it wasn't even, um, it wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't, um, I was just like, why am I living this way? You know, and um, uh, counseling and medication now. But um, I know that um, a first step was definitely talking about it in the podcast and sharing that and, and realizing like how, like um, the, like to what extent it was actually affecting me in my life and like my job and my relationships. And, um, and I was like, that's not fair to me, <laughs> you know? Um, like I shouldn't like, you know, um, and I, and I wasn't like, I shouldn't be hanging on to that because, um, I don't know if I, I don't know, like, I feel like it's become part of my identity in, in a weird way and I don't want it to be, but I also didn't want it to like, you know, like not let me live. Um, so I guess what we're, what, what I'm asking you is how do, what can we tell our friends that are going through similar things that haven't found help or that um, don't know where to start, you know, as far as getting, um, getting help? 
Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, I really appreciate, you know, your your authenticity and your vulnerability. That is not something that a lot of people feel comfortable doing and like to, for, to be able to share it, you know, on a podcast like this. Like, that's just amazing. So first of all, thank you. Um, and your, you know, your reactions and kind of like freezing and being, you know, transported back in flashbacks like that is completely understandable and a very common thing, unfortunately, to happen with, you know, traumatic experiences like sexual assault. Um and so, it, you know, it makes a lot of sense that that is kind of what happened. But um, it's also really wonderful that you decided, you know, you don't you don't deserve to live like that. There is, you know, a possibility to change the way that you go through the world and not be as affected or consumed by or defined by the things that happen to you. Although, you know, they'll always be part of your story. Um, I definitely view, you know, my trauma as part of my story. Um, that's kind of how I how I frame it, I guess, um, because all the things that happen to us, you know, make us who we are. And, um, you know, even the, you know, more challenging things or, you know, depression, depression and other, you know, kind of symptoms that you are looking to change, um, you know, all, all of it is just who you are still. Um, and so I think that, you know, when kind of talking with other people who have been through similar things and maybe haven't quite found help yet, um, it can be really helpful, first of all, again, to just share your story and like allow them to share theirs because purely talking about your story is so powerful, um, whether that's, you know, in therapy or in a podcast or with a friend, um, you know, because doing the opposite, keeping it all kind of bubbled up inside or bottled up um, does not work. Usually it might work in the short term, but then long term, it's going to lead to, you know, even more mental health struggles and kind of, you know, being overwhelmed by the feelings instead of moving through them and processing them. Um, so, you know, providing a space for people to be able to just openly share um, and not keep things bottled up is super important. Um, I think it can also be really helpful for, you know, you or whoever to share any, um, you know, coping tools or other skills that you might have found or maybe are working on. Um, for example, I, I'm a huge um, uh, proponent, I think that's the word, of like journaling. I love kind of journaling, especially um, if I don't feel like I'm able or I feel like I don't have a space to, you know, talk openly about like what I'm experiencing or what I'm thinking, or if I feel really overwhelmed with my thoughts and can't like pinpoint them, um, just like writing down what I'm feeling and like naming my emotions definitely like helps to, you know, gain more uh, agency over them. So, you know, if you have any um, things that you like to go to like that, um, I think it's always a great idea to to share those with other people. Um, but of course, you know, you are not a, a licensed mental health professional and neither am I just yet. So, um, you know, we we can't give full therapy to people. We can't provide that per se. Um, but there's still other ways to be supportive. Um, and, you know, you could also if you are you know currently seeing a therapist, um, you could, you know, send like the website of like the practice to your friend or like ask the therapist if they have any suggestions for, you know, the specific needs of the friend, um, if they're, you know, having trouble kind of finding that on their own. Um, but yeah, there, there are so many ways to, to be supportive. And it's wonderful that you are really, you know, looking to kind of share your experiences and use them to be there for other people too. Thank you for all that. Um, on the last episode, we, um, we were sharing all the people that are listening to us throughout the world, uh, not just the US. And in doing so, we found a couple of um, listeners in the Middle East. And, Hello. and I just keep thinking like, the notion of even thinking that you might be LGBTQ or whatever, might, um, might be so dangerous, right? And those kind of, um, and those kind of communities, cultures, countries. Um, and I can't imagine like somebody 
needing help or needing counseling or um, going through worse traumas, you know, um, and then not being able to seek help. Um, <clears throat> and I'm not going anywhere with this. I was just thinking, um, but, um, I remember you mentioned journaling and I think Angel, uh, one of our co-hosts, um, talked about this, how it was helping him at the time. And, and he sort of felt bad because he didn't continue doing it. And I'm like, wait, at the moment it did, you know, and it provided something for you. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and then I think I had such a bad experience with journaling. Like I loved doing it, um, when I was younger and then for some reason, <laughs> the adults in my life respected no bounds of like privacy and whatnot. And so that kind of discouraged me. And, um, even as an adult, you know, I had a, I had my ex, um, go through, go through them and, you know, while there was nothing about her in it, um, it was obviously, you know, uh, not a good thing, <laughs> you know? Um, so I don't know. That's how I feel about journaling, but it may not be your case. You may have a uh, respectful, uh, respecting adults in your life that won't do that and, you know, um, violate your privacy that way. Um, but yeah, well, I, I will say my, my ex also, the one who I broke up with like during COVID, um, she also would go through my journals and like look through my texts and my stuff. So mm-hmm. I, kind of stopped journaling as well because of it was like a safety thing so like yeah. makes a lot of sense that you've had that negative experience um I don't know if you are in a you know kind of safe environment now where yes. you would feel you know protected and like your stuff wouldn't be gone through um that's really good I see you nodding yeah and I I, I have created that for myself as well and so I've kind of been you know slowly relearning my journaling you know needs and skills and all of that and like what makes me happy about journaling and kind of slowly rediscovering I guess the positive qualities of it so just because you've had bad people who are gonna you know violate your privacy and stuff in the past and discourage you from journaling doesn't mean that you know you don't you won't be able to do it in the future if you ever want to um yeah but yeah same with Angel like if you know he did it for a little bit and then stopped that's also super valid all of these you know coping skills and ways of processing our feelings like they can come and go and their purposes are to help us feel better so I don't think, you know, we have to feel bad or guilty if we kind of latch on to one thing for a little bit and maybe it doesn't work out or we find something else that works better. Um, Because in the end, again, all of these tools are there to help make us feel better. And so it's great to prioritize what works best for us. Yeah. Oh, I just made a mess. As an alternative (laughs) to journaling, because I do like writing and I and I feel like I get creative and I um, it kind of helps to um, escape into a different world. Um, So other than like reading, um, I found this book and it's called write a story. And so every um, other page is um, prompting you um, to write a story based on like specific set of words um, and like um, settings, for example, like um, write a story about an unexpected union and include the following words in your story. Um, And it, and it kind of just helps to like forget, like it's, it's therapeutic in some way. Um, And I really like it. That is so cool. I'll have to look for that online because I like I love that kind of stuff also. Um, It's so fun, especially when they give you both the prompt and like words you have to include because that Mm -hmm. it's funny, like those kinds of constraints often can make you be even more creative, um, which like is, you know, opposite than what you would think. Um, But I I will definitely be looking that up. That's so cool. And I'm so glad that you've been having a good time writing in that. That's awesome. Yeah. So that might be a good thing for you guys that um, can't journal that are in a part of the world that... um, you know, you're not free to think the way you want to think or live the way you want to live. Um, something else that a, ther- a therapist once mentioned was um, allotting a specific time during my day 
to feel. Mm. Um, so like if, cause at the time, uh, I was going through a really bad breakup and, um, and I just, I couldn't function during the day. I was feeling too much too often. And, and I was just like, I can't go on like this. What do I do? She's like, okay, um, try to keep it together and then tell yourself that like at 7 PM, 8 PM, 9 PM, whatever it is, um, you're going to allow yourself an hour to grieve, um, Mm. to, um, you know, to feel whatever it is that you're feeling and, um, bring your tissues, bring a bag. And when that hour is over, you throw away that bag and those tissues, and then you do it again the next day until it becomes a little better and a little better and a little better. And then you no longer need to do that. Um, and that kind of helped for a little bit. So that might be something else um, you guys might be able to do. Yeah, that's super <laughs> interesting. I hadn't heard that, like, of that trick before, but that actually, like, that's a really good idea because oftentimes you do have to, you know, in certain spaces just compartmentalize, like, you know, if you have have a job and you have to pay rent, like, you have to go to the job. You can't just be overwhelmed by your feelings and, you know, let that kind of affect your life negatively in some ways. But you also have to feel your feelings. Otherwise, they're going to just keep overwhelming you and negatively affect you. So, you have to really be able to balance both. But I, I really like kind of actively scheduling, you know, when you're going to compartmentalize, and just like do what you have to do. And then when you're going to really take time to process and sit with what you're feeling. That's really great. Yeah. Um, have, do you have any uh, pieces of like uh, literature or books or anything that that um, you might be able to recommend? Um, not to put you in the spot, if you can't think of any now, <laughs> we can put it on the show notes later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one book, which I actually I haven't read, but it's like a staple in mental health spheres. It's called uh, The Body Keeps the Score. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, yeah, it's really all about kind of how trauma is, you know, encoded within us and kind of rooted in our body and affects people in, you know, really physical ways and kind of ways to, you know, uh, learn more about that and then work to kind of un- unentangle yourself from the effects of trauma. So that's super, super cool, um, especially because, you know, a lot of people don't really understand, you know, somatic bodily presentations of mental health um, struggles and trauma. Um, and, you know, often people might not like actively feel depressed or anxious, but like their body will be presenting and holding things in certain ways. And it's super important like to really what? understand, you know, the duality of like body and mind. So that's definitely a good one. Like what? Like what are some ways that we might be um, presenting? Oh, yeah. Um, well, my, my specific issue, I have a lot of like gastrointestinal issues. That's like a big thing, having like stomach problems, having like, um, just poor, you know, reactions to food. Um, also, uh, a lot of like headaches and kind of like physical pain and ache like that, um, can be just a result of kind of trauma being stored in the body, um, as well as, you know, lack of sleep, um, insomnia and other issues like that. So it's, it's very, Yeah, the body and the way that the body functions, it's very, you know, interrelated with with the mind. And unfortunately, trauma can unlock things in the body or lead to, um, you know, increased kind of cortisol Mm -hmm. levels, um, which then, you know, if the body is continually being activated and stressed and hypervigilant and hyper aware and and responding to the trauma and feeling the trauma um, that, you know, will wear on the body eventually and can lead to these other kind of physical somatic issues. Um, And so that's, you know, again, a big that's often overlooked within um you know mental health and things like that and kind of just general understandings of the way that uh you know these different mental health experiences can present themselves yeah um and, and that's that's cool to know um because i feel like the first thing we go to we think about is like nail biting um and things like that i used to like unconsciously um 
like twirl my hair to a point that it was like breaking and I had like a little bald spot at the front and I'm like, wait, what am I doing? And I like yanking my hair off and not realizing that I was doing it or like, um, chewing the, and I still do it, <laughs> chewing mm-hmm. the inside of my lip, um, where like I'd get like little sores because I, I, I'd bite it so often, not knowing that I was doing it. And I think now it's just a habit <laughs> of mine, um, of just kind of like, you know, chewing on myself, um, if that makes any sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And those are both like super common, you know, reactions to feeling overstimulated and kind of, you know, soothing the body in a physical way or replacing um, the, you know, emotional sensation that's too challenging with a physical sensation, whether that's like pain or or whatever um, that feels more bearable. Um, So super, super understandable. And a lot of people do kind of react to you know, their traumas and their uh, mental health experiences in a kind of like self-harming or just very physical way like that. Yeah. Do you know if there's any truth to the correlation between like, um, uh, excuse me, cat, um, <laughs> between um, like our immune system and like our gastrointestinal issues? Because um, I hear that often, like, oh, you know, you have like, your immune system is also like affected by by that if you're like, um uh, anxious or like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Stressed, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, a doctor, so I can't speak yeah. to like the neurobiology of that, yeah. but there definitely, definitely is a link between our gut, our brain, our immune system, everything. Um, and you know, sometimes, um, specifically for, you know, like chronic illnesses or other kind of like immune challenges like that, um, mental health struggles can, kind of trigger them, whether that's triggering the initial onset or triggering flare-ups. Um, so, you know, there's definitely, definitely a correlation. Um, like one of my friends um, was struggling with depression and then kind of as her mental health worsened, she also um, started experiencing a lot of like GI changes and she ended up uh, being diagnosed with Crohn's after not having any, you know, kind of challenges like that ever. So definitely a link um, and doesn't always work out, you know, well for people, unfortunately, because, um, you know, kind of if you, if a chronic illness is spurred on, you know, that's, that's what you have to deal with. Um, But yeah, everything is connected, Um, body, brain, um, stomach, immune system, everything for sure. Awesome. Um, Okay. So before we go, we, we usually have a question by uh, Dr. Gregory Stock, PhD. Um, and it's the book of questions. And I love this book. And they don't pay me anything to promote it. But I love it. <laughs> um, it's question number 166. And it says, given that a woman can conceive a child long after menopause by using a frozen egg, is there an age beyond which it should be legal for women to bear children? Why? What about men? If so, how would you punish violators? What do you think? How do you feel oh. about, about all that? Especially nowadays. Mm-hmm. with everything that's very going interesting on. well first i'll say yeah anybody can get pregnant of any gender um yeah i, I mean and that's a huge thing that kind of is you know is needed within the current discourse about um you know like reproduction rights and abortion rights is that it's not just women who can get pregnant um you know men can get pregnant um because gender isn't necessarily the same as sex um non-binary people can get pregnant and then also some women can't get pregnant whether they have a uterus or not um so definitely important to you know kind of think about people who can get pregnant um i think yeah like i mean it's definitely a tricky question um because like ethically you don't want to have a baby 
so late in life that like you'll be you know senile and dead and won't be able to take care of it by the time like it, it needs that um but also you know do what makes you happy and if you feel like you would be able to properly care for a child even if you're 80 years old I don't know medically like how late you actually could give birth um you know go for it and I say no punishment for people because that you know punishment's bad unless you know some people deserve punishment but um yeah, that's a very interesting question. I, it's a curveball. I was not expecting that, but very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think I agree. Um, I would also like push a limit to it just in case we do get to an age in time where like we're living like the handmaid's tale. Is that what it's called? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're like we're just being used to like push out babies. Like so maybe oh, there should God. be like but then again, like if if there is such a thing, like are they going to like kill you if you can no longer produce like I don't know my mind just went farther yes <laughs> so yeah the that. answer definitely depends on the context and the society in which we are living and I mean of course certain aspects of society are are veering more towards handmail tale handmaid's tale-esque yeah. things which is not great but for now luckily we are not in that reality just yet <laughs> thank goodness um yes. and then is there a question I mean uh <laughs> um a quote that you um you know revert back to often or that motivates you or anything like that oh that's a really good question as well, well. Think um about it let's get our yeah um, this is the quote time the quote time quote time <laughs> that's great um it's it's funny because when I was growing up in my family, um, we on our front door would always like hang up little post-it notes with our favorite quotes on them. Um, and the quote that's sticking out to me from from that door and that memory, um, which I don't know if it's a quote that I necessarily like, you know, refer back to frequently, um, but it's one that my dad put up and it's I don't know who said it, but it says uh, you never get a second chance to make a good first impression. Um, and I think sometimes you do get a second chance to make a first, like an impression on people. Obviously, like first impressions aren't everything, but I do try to keep that in mind and, you know, kind of show up to all the spaces that I'm in as my fullest self and just, you know, trying to be just, yeah, positive and a good, a good force in whatever space that I'm in um, and make a good impression. But of course, that's not the end all be all. Um, and, you know, if I'm feeling really depressed, I'm not going to show up and like pretend otherwise and make a good first impression, but also like is depressed bad first impression? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But um, that's really, yeah, that's the quote that first popped into my mind. And so subconsciously, that must mean something. So that is the quote that I will choose. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they are important first impressions. Um, but then again, we can't um, judge a book by its cover. Like we're all going through so many things all at once that like, I might have yes. met you on a wrong day for you. You know, I don't know. Um, don't judge I agree. People. I agree. Don't judge people. It's good to it's good to be open. Um, and it's also good to you know put your best foot forward, but also you know be real and don't be you know putting on like a persona or like a just you know fake society thing just to make a good first impression. That's yeah. not good. And then also like some people have like genuine resting bitch face. So um, <laughs> like me sometimes people used to tell me that like they thought that I was like snotty or whatever, and I'm like I think it's the eyebrows because I'm really not like that. <laughs> that's funny that's so funny I have resting like smile face even Aww. if I'm not like feeling happy I'm just like oh <laughs> like here it is take it embrace it <laughs> I like that um uh our our um quote from uh dance first think later uh links and the show notes for this 
fuck again not being paid by this guy or these people um but as a uh, quote number rule number 441 uh, it's by charles bukowski he's a writer and he says this is a, this is very important to take leisure time pace is mm. essence without stopping entirely and doing nothing at all for great periods you're going to lose everything whether you're an actor anything a housewife there has to be great pauses between highs where you do nothing at all you just lay in a bed and stare at the ceiling. This is very, very important just to do nothing at all. Very, very important. Um, and I have to say, I spent like two Sundays ago, I did absolutely nothing. And I just, I stayed in bed. I watched TV. I ate in bed and it felt so good. It felt so good. That is so good. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I used to be very much like a go, 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 like jam-packed schedule, like do as much as I possibly can in a day type of person. And like that is not sustainable um, and just not not fun. And I, I realized over the past few years, probably especially like at the beginning of COVID when we were really forced to, you know, rest and stay inside and do mm-hmm. more leisure, um, just how important it is and how good it makes me feel, as you were saying. Um, and it's so important to do things that make us feel good, uh, especially you know, in a world where we often have to do things that we don't really want to do or just, you know, survive in certain ways or deal with traumas in certain ways. So completely agree with that quote. For sure. We were, I was, I don't know why I was thinking about that today. Why, um, um, that what to do with all all that energy that we had when we couldn't do anything at the beginning of the pandemic. And I remember going for a walk at the park. Um, Mm -hmm. and then like out of nowhere, all these other people doing the same thing. Like we were just taking loops, (laughs) around the walking around the park it was um it was such a crazy time um i hope no one ever has to go through that again um because that was insane for all of us yeah yeah that was wild i mean you know we're things are definitely opening up a lot now but also more and more people are getting covid which is very scary so like if things keep going the way we're going i don't want us to have to do like another giant you know quarantine situation um but yeah, like when I got COVID, what was it like two, three weeks ago? Like I, you know, I felt sick. It felt like a bad sinus infection. But honestly, the worst part was having to stay inside for 10 days and not see my friends and like not do stuff. Um, so it's yeah, it's nice, like having nothing to do and being able to just like take time for leisure. But you also have to make sure that you, you know, prioritize friendships and like do things as well. In addition to that, you need a good balance in order to really feel like fulfilled and happy, I think. Exactly. I had COVID at the beginning of the year. We managed to like um avoid it for two years and then (laughs) and then we had visitors um and uh and then we got it but did you experience any like brain fogginess definitely yeah um i i would say like brain fog and kind of fatigue those were really like the biggest things um in addition to kind of like just feeling stuffed up and congested but i was very just like you know yeah i remember like even like a month later, we went out for a walk. I don't know where we were. I think at the mall, and I had to stop because I mm-hmm. couldn't breathe. Um, and I, I have asthma. Um, and since leaving New York, I hadn't like needed um, any medication or anything like that. Uh, the weather, the climate here is you know very favorable for people with asthma, at least uh, <laughs> during the winter. But um, yeah, like that was something very noticeable for me. Um, mm. That like not being able to breathe, like fatigue, fatigueness, I guess. Um, yeah, it's scary. A lot of people are having those like long COVID symptoms, they're calling them or just like kind of, you know, things like that that just don't go away. Um, mm-hmm. How are you feeling better now? Has it gone away or? I'm feeling much better. Um, I, 
I don't, yeah, I guess I could say I'm feeling better. It doesn't happen as frequently. Still happens mm-hmm. sometimes where I'm kind of yeah. like, I need to catch my breath, but um, yeah. In any event, um, thank you so much for, first of all, responding to like a random uh, DM on Instagram. And because a lot of people ignore those. I know I do sometimes. <laughs> um and and for making time and being flexible i know how crazy our lives are at this moment and for some of us so i um we really appreciate your time yes thank you so so much it was so lovely chatting with you i hope the things that i shared were helpful or affirming to somebody um it was yeah it was just so so lovely chatting with you and i appreciate everything that you've shared as well any last thoughts or recommendations Um, or tips or anything Yes, I'll say you who are listening, you are wonderful exactly as is, and there's nothing wrong with you. There's a lot of stuff wrong with the larger world and society, but there's nothing wrong with you in particular, and I really want to stress that. I love that. Uh, If you don't mind just hanging out for a quick sec while we say goodbye. Um, Guys, until next time, don't forget to follow us and subscribe. We're at uh, LGBT Podcast on Instagram and uh, LGBT Chat Radio on Facebook. Uh, email us, uh, links on show notes. And until next time, everybody, happy trails. Bye. Thanks for listening to the LGBT Chat. Don't forget to subscribe. And remember, the grass is always greener where you water it. Till next time.